Hello, and welcome to the Glimmer Podcast. The aim of this podcast is simply to make you feel less alone on this difficult journey taken by millions of other women around the globe every single year who have had to say goodbye to their precious baby. Together, Ashley and I hope to bring guests who can offer you comfort, company, and wisdom. I'm Caitlin Crowley. I'm a journalist and mum to Cora Mae Crowley, who was stillborn last year. Dr. Ashley Smith is producing this season. I know why you are listening to this podcast. I know why you are here. And I'm so, so sorry. It hurts so much. You are not alone. Reminder, the views, thoughts and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the individual and do not represent their employer or medical advice. Always consult your doctor. Liana Quinlivan is a bereavement midwife, moderator for the online Glimmer Groups and mum to Dot, who died due to a bone growth disorder. Liana, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, I know that you have spent years working with bereaved families and tragically you had to go through this as well when your beautiful dot died. Can you take us back to what your life and and the jigsaw puzzle, that analogy we'll be using a lot today, I think, what that jigsaw puzzle looked like after Dot died? It, <laughs> it's, it's an obvious answer to say it's broken, but that it's the best w- word to kind of describe how you feel that everything's just scattered and in bits and nothing seems to make sense. I know that for me making the plan to have a baby was a bit of a tricky one. We had an IVF start to our our pregnancy journey and then to find ourselves pregnant is so exciting but then all of a sudden there's no baby is just it felt really wrong and the days following were such a huge mix of, I mean, obviously sadness But there's so many different emotions that I probably didn't expect to feel at that time. I know I felt really angry and didn't expect to feel as angry as I did. I felt that it was almost a sense of disbelief, like my brain just couldn't grasp the concept that she was gone and I had to keep going, did this actually happen to me? This, It's almost like I couldn't grasp the fact that it was happening. I felt really frustrated because it felt like it was there was so much injustice and it felt so unfair that this had happened to me when I was so familiar with the fact that it could happen to me. There was random things that popped into my head that I didn't expect, like the stress of finances, which is so bizarre to think that when you've lost a baby, you're suddenly worried about where's the next the money going to come from for more IVF because we only had enough for this cycle and those kinds of things. But then the mix of pride because she was beautiful and awe because holy heck she was gorgeous and love, which I guess, I don't know, it's so weird. I'd not had a baby before when I had worked with so many bereaved families that there's such a huge powerful thing that you've got that's a connection to your baby and trying to figure out how to stay connected to them and hold on to that love but then let them go at the same time is just 
Wow, everything you've just said resonates so strongly with me. That rush of love with agonizing grief at the same time, it knocks you off your feet, completely disorientating, isn't it? So you do, you have all these scattered pieces. How did you go with even knowing who you were anymore? I know for me, one thing I actually did relatively quickly after coming back from hospital was deleted, sounds so trivial, but deleted my Instagram bio because I just was like, I'm not her anymore. (laughs) That person's gone. I didn't know who I was. I think for me, I became the bereavement midwife with the dead baby. And that was my greatest fear that people would be like, oh, the irony of now it's happened to her. That's what I felt like I hid from. And I wanted to stay inside. I didn't want to see anyone. I didn't want to answer the phone. I just wanted to stay in my little bubble because that was what felt the safest. That was bereavement midwife Liana Quinlivan sharing her own experience of loss. You're listening to The Glimmer Podcast, which is brought to you by The Glimmer Project. The Glimmer Project offers an online peer support group run by our specialist bereavement midwife with daily meditations, video content and modules. Find out more at theglimmerproject.com. A Glimmer mum shares her experience. I think once I stopped expecting to feel better or for anything to feel the same as it did before my baby died, I could start to process and accept my new life. My new life where joy and sadness always existed together, where it's always a double-edged sword, where every sunny and bright moment will have its shadow. And while every step felt heavier than it used to, every single one was worth taking. It took a while to stop longing and looking back, of course, but once I realized this was my life now to carry my grief with me, I could start to move forward. On today's Glimmer, we've been speaking with bereavement midwife Liana Quinlivan about her experience of losing Dot. I asked her how she used her professional experience to navigate her own loss and rebuild her life. I know that in the really early days, I had to take one day at a time. I wanted to fast forward the pain. I (laughs) spent so many years um, educating families and talking to families about how if you want to do grief well, you've got to lean into it and really feel it. And I found myself in that exact place thinking this is really, it really hurts. I don't want to do that. Surely I don't need to do it because I know it all. And that is really what I had to do. I had to feel it. I spent a lot of time knowing that I had to look at her photos and go over and touch her memory creation and be where I thought that she was, whether that be at the beach or looking at the sky or trying to figure out where she was for me now. And that was a really kind of bizarre thing because I've been brought up Christian and that, you know, we go to heaven after we die and I didn't want her to be that far away from me. That just felt too out of my control. I wanted to keep her in with me and not that I'd necessarily carried her urn around or, you know, if that's what is right for you, then that's totally fine. But I just felt like 
as much as the world kept going forward and moving and ironically there was a house being built across from us that I watched be built from foundation up and developed when I just wanted the world to stop and this thing was forming in front of my eyes. I remember that being a really poignant thing for me to watch that keeping on going and I just wanted to scream out the window, just stop because you can't keep going. How can you be going to work every day and functioning when this has happened to me? That felt really cruel and unfair. It is crazy, isn't it, (laughs) to look around and think how is everything keeping on going and I can relate so heavily to time distorting through this period you want it to speed up you want to be out of it but it slows down I guess it's the opposite of time flies when you're having fun (laughs) time stands still when you are in the most anguish and pain you can ever imagine I remember seeing my GP who was really lovely and very kind to me the words of wisdom that she gave me was you only have to do two things every day. And one of them is that you have to eat. You have to eat to keep going as much as you won't feel like it. And you have to go outside and stand outside in whatever the weather is every single day. And I would wake up in the morning and think, what am I going to do today? But at least I had two things that I had to do because there's so much time and emptiness and the the forever feeling of I don't want to go back to work but what am I going to do with my time and fill in my time was, yeah, that felt a bit endless. I love those two things. Sometimes we need some simple instructions, don't we, when we're just going, how am I going to? I think I used to feel buried under the hows. How am I going to survive? How am I going to get through today or this week? A day at a time can feel really difficult when, you know, five minutes is sometimes very hard. And yours might have been a how. Mine mine was definitely a should. I had this thing in my head that I should. I should get up. I should go out of the house. I should eat this instead of that. I should be engaging with people. I should be thinking about going back to work. I should be this, I should be that. And I remember seeing my acupuncturist at the time and she questioned me on it and just sat there and said, it's big, isn't it? And from that moment, I was like, I just need to drop the should. I've got to let go of this should and just be and figure out for me what I need to do in this rather than what I should be doing. And that was probably a big turning point for me to start to really just be and figure out my needs, which is a really hard thing to do because in recognising what your needs are, you then need to reach out for help and we're not very good at doing that. In the darkest times after Cora died, I felt like I was at the bottom of a hole, like my whole life was just rubble. I asked Liana how we could be patient with ourselves in times like these and how we could let go of all the shoulds. I think that we have to be forgiving of our brains because to process grief, we have to feel it. And to feel it completely, that's really scary. And by forgiving our brains and being gentle with ourselves, I think that that's, well, I guess, learning about 
grief and why our brains respond the way that they do. And just as a little example is that inside your brain, you've got this thing called an amygdala. It looks out for really scary stuff that's going on in your life. And when it's taken a huge hit, potentially the biggest hit that it will ever have, it's going to be on high alert. And its role is to protect you. I think that even if you understand a concept that's as simple as that, you can then understand why you think the things that you do. And I know that a lot of families would talk to me about, I just want to be with my baby, but that means I have to be dead too, but I'm not suicidal. But it's confusing because if I want to be dead, does that mean I'm suicidal? And I think that for me is the deepest of the rubble. I feel like that's the lowest that most of us can go or be or get. And I guess my wisdom to share would be to let the thoughts come, acknowledge them, let them flow away. But if they're persistent and they're really scary and there's no light amongst the dark, that's when I would be that's when I would be really encouraging to share your story with someone else, whether that be someone you can trust or professional support. I think we're all very quick to go and see psychologists and grief counsellors because when we're hurting, we want to get out of that pain. And a psychologist and a grief counsellor's role isn't to take the pain away, which is often when we go to counselling, we hope that it's going to be a bit better but it can make it somewhat more confusing in the really early days when your amygdala is doing what it needs to do to just protect you. And that is it's just got to sort through the rubble. It's got to process all the thoughts. It has to feel and it has to just work out this thing that's happened that if there's disbelief for you that it's even happened, it's crazy to think that your brain can grasp it as well. So to come out from the rubble is uh, it's even less than a one day at a time thing. It's a half day. It's just get through breakfast and then see what the morning brings. It's being vulnerable and calling people in to help you. It's being brave enough to ask for help, I think. You're listening to The Glimmer Podcast. We've been speaking with bereavement midwife Liana Quinlevin about finding your community in times of grief. We'll be back after a word from our sponsors. The Stillbirth Foundation Australia supports bereaved parents and raises funds to prevent stillbirth through research, education and advocacy. Visit stillbirthfoundation.org.au. Blue Hearts was created to honour Holly and Joshua Ryan's son, Bluey. It works to raise funds and increase awareness. Follow at bluehearts underscore au on Instagram. On today's episode, we're talking with bereavement midwife Liana Quinlivan. Putting pressure on yourself is one thing. I asked Liana whether she felt pressure from others following her loss. I don't personally feel like I did. If anything, it was the opposite. I feel like I had more people telling me to slow down and take the time. Goes back to the should. I should have been thinking about going back to work. It feels like a guilty pleasure to take time off work. 
But I think all of that goes back to the disbelief that this has even happened because for the majority of time, I also felt okay. And that's that in itself is a really bizarre feeling to think that my baby has died, but I'm okay. I've managed to shower. I've managed to get out of the house. I've done the groceries and I've cooked a meal. There's so much guilt in knowing that I should be sadder. I should be feeling this more. Maybe I'm not feeling it deeply enough. Maybe I'm not connected to my baby enough. Maybe I'm moving on too quickly. And I probably had people saying to me, hey, it's only been a month since she died or it's only been a year since she's died. You're still allowed to feel this way or act this way. And it was them slowing me down more than me needing to do it to myself. But I think when you lose a baby, the support network that is around you significantly changes from the moment that your baby dies to the years and months down the track. And I think it's important to know that as hard as it is, when all you need is that person who you know or you assume is going to be the person to love you and support you through this, when that person can't be what you need them to be and after grief we know that relationships significantly change we stay friends with some friends and other friends just leave and can't handle the fact that this is what we're going through they can't find ways to support us they're not our person but then beautiful things also start to happen in grief and that is that you begin to find your tribe that would be my number one suggestion when newly bereaved families are saying to me what do we do this is hard, what can we do? It would always be to sit in the space of someone else who truly understands what you're going through and what it feels like to lose a baby. Those are the people that you need to listen to and be guided by and the people that you love and trust, regardless of who they are, because you find a new gang and that's how you do life is you do it with them and in the support of them. And it is amazing, isn't it, who comes to the fore in these times and we may not be as close with certain friends who like you say or family members uh like you say who can't be what we need and uh Ashley let me a really helpful phrase in that way of bucket loads of grace you know bucket loads of grace for yourself with the shoulds (laughs) you know letting ourselves off the hook and letting other people who can't be that person, letting letting them off the hook too because I, I know I really struggled with some friendships, not hearing from people I thought I would hear from heaps, but then exactly like what you just described, having others come through in new and different ways and the power of peer support. I know that's something you have been heavily involved with. I think that there's something quite amazing when you sit in the space with someone who truly gets what you feel and I am a huge advocate for it that's part of my passion in working with Glimmer is helping people find people and not feeling alone I feel like a lot of the work that I did 
was normalizing grief and normalizing the fear and isolation that's in grief and felt within grief. And peer support really helps with that. I asked Liana if she could share any practical strategies to help listeners bring joy back into their life. It's important to know that in grief, joy and grief can definitely coexist. And it's a bizarre concept when you're first introduced to it to recognise that you can experience joy in amongst the sadness. Again, it goes back to the should. I should or shouldn't be feeling joy when my baby has died. But there's a lot of joy when you've met your baby and birthed your baby and have seen how beautiful they are. I think letting joy back in has to happen in little snippets. If it's overwhelming, it can be scary. It can feel really guilty. You can feel really guilty if you start to experience what might feel like too much joy. But I, my hope would always be that joy and grief can coexist. And I know a lot of parents talk about how they want to live for their baby because their baby didn't get to live. And in that, you have to experience joy. Everyone deserves to experience joy. And I think that it's definitely something that our babies would want us to experience. I had a dear friend say to me that you wouldn't want Cora's legacy to be the demise of your life. Do you know? And I really thought about that a lot that because I didn't know how I was going to go on or put any of the pieces of the puzzle back together, but I knew that it couldn't be Cora's fault. You know, I didn't, she didn't deserve that. So that was a big thing for me to go, you know what, and how we can possibly reframe from that to how I think of her now more so as a bit of a North Star. How can I behave in a way that would make her really proud of me, be a, be the kind of woman I would have been if I was raising this little daughter rather than having to say goodbye to her? Joy in grief is purposeful and almost has to be intentional and chosen, which is bizarre. When you catch yourself laughing or experiencing joy when you don't expect it, It's beautiful, but can also be really overwhelming for the first few times that you adjust to that feeling and that sensation that they can coexist together. Liana, we are so grateful to have your expertise on this show. Thank you so much. And I think we'll all be moving forward with more self-compassion for ourselves after hearing from you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It's it's really my honour. Liana Quinlivan is a bereavement midwife who now moderates the online Glimmer Groups. She has shared her wisdom from both her professional and lived experience with us today. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Glimmer Podcast. Thank you to the Stillbirth Foundation and Blue Hearts for making this season possible. This season was produced by Dr. Ashley Smith with audio engineering from Corey Green of Transducer Audio. You can follow us on Instagram and consider joining the next online Glimmer Program group 
for women who have experienced pregnancy or newborn loss or TFMR. We're going to leave you with a very special song, which was created by one of our beautiful Glimmer mums who shared this with the online Glimmer group in memory of her son, Bobby. Just the size and shape of you And my heart may never be full again There will always be space for you You came to us with a flourish You turned three lives upside down You were only a tiny little one but we loved having you around And I will hold a little place in my heart, my love Just the size and shape of you And my heart may never be full again There will always be space for you Created so much with the time that you had You dear little heartbreaker, you You made yourself a brother from a sweet little boy And a mother and father who grew And I will hold a little place in my heart, my love Just the size and shape of you my heart may never be full again There will always be space for you You made us think and you made us feel Stronger for all our hopes and our fears And when you left the stage Your swan song It had the whole done place in tears Hold a little place in my heart, my love Just the size and shape of you And my heart may never be full again There will always be space for you Yeah, there will always be space for you